All right, welcome back, everyone, to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brother Sportscast. Real talk, real fans, we bring you Michigan football each and every week. I'm Caleb, and with me, as always, is Craig. And, Craig, first of all, I have to start off with an apology. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 okay. This well, is... I'm sorry. I, I, you may know where this is going and everything, but I might. Cra- Craig and I were able to go to the first two games. Yeah, you're recording this, right? Yeah, I am recording this. So, because we went to the first two games, we knew we were going to the first two games, and then after that, we were just kind of like, it'll probably be a few weeks that we're going to have to take off. I had someone come to me that I knew that offered me tickets to the Colorado game, and before I responded, I contacted my wife, and I was like, oh, you know, of course, go figure when I can't use them, I have tickets offered to me. And then she's like, well, you know, if if somebody can watch the kids, maybe you and I can go. So it actually worked out, and I know that we said it in the last episode that neither of us were going to be at the game, but it actually worked out that my wife and I went to the game, and I felt kind of bad that, Craig, that you got left out. So oh, It'd be a little odd if it would be me, you, and your wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, It might be a little bit. I, I think it'd be... <laughs> I made this, uh, it was definitely the smarter, safer uh, decision of me and my wife rather than you and I going to a game again because I'm sure that would not have gone over very well, to say the least. Well, I could be like, hey, you know what? Hey, uh, honey, can you get me a hot dog to you? <laughs> yeah. To your wife, and that probably wouldn't be very good. <laughs> no, no, not so much. Although I will say, I mean, the way that it turned out, it was actually pretty awesome. Um like just a bunch of th- a lot of things went well that day um out- outside of the game I mean we'll talk about the game, but like driving down there uh actually i I kind of got mad at myself because thirty minutes down the road, I realized that we left the tickets on the counter, so we had to turn around and get the tickets, but we left early enough it didn't really matter, so I had to turn around and I hate double tracking, but then we got down there easy traffic, actually got a decent parking area we got um one last parking spots at a little lot. And so we were able to actually get out right away. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also when we got to the stadium, there was a seat empty where we were at. We actually, it was really random. The guy that I got the tickets from, we had seat 21 and 23. So I I don't know who had, yeah, I don't know who had seat 22, but whoever it was didn't show up. So technically we had three seats. And so we, it just gave us a little extra room, you know, but that happened, and uh, so it was just, you know, it was good. My wife enjoyed it. She's not the biggest sports fan. She likes and enjoys Michigan football. I mean, if she wasn't married to me, she probably wouldn't really care. But uh, she doesn't go enjoy going to a game once a year and everything. So, Yeah, I mean, I, obviously that's pretty good that you can get in there um, at that time and not have any traffic and actually pull up there. Did you get, were you able to see uh, the blueprint and any of those guys? No, I, when I got in, it was maybe 30 minutes to kick off. And no. so I texted Rashawn as uh, we were walking up to the stadium and I was just like, Hey, are you still outside? Or are you inside? And by the time I got to the stadium, you know, I mean, it was like maybe 15 minutes to kick off and I hadn't heard anything. So I was just like, it, he was, if I had gone to see him, it was on the opposite side of the stadium. So I just, you know, told my wife, well, let's just go in. I mean, by the time we get over there, the game will be starting, and I, I would have imagined that he would have been inside anyway. So I, di- I didn't catch him before, and I didn't catch him during halftime. We talked about maybe catching up halftime, but it didn't work out. But uh, it seems like things went well for him. We've still got to uh, talk and chat, chat a little bit, uh, just kind of hear how things went. But he had uh, good things to say. You know, always... pressure, man. You go to the game with your wife. It's date night. Yeah. Exactly. Eight, I, I, eight day, really, but you know, you know. Yeah, we had. I had no agenda. No, you know, I'm going to do this recording or anything. I just told Rashawn, you know, if I get there early enough, I'll try to catch up with the guys. But uh, if not, and no uh, pressure. You're with your lady. That's yeah. good. It's oh a, yeah, it's a good day. And, and Michigan, you know, did you ever think? And you know, there's nothing against her that you know we'll get into the Michigan score, but. She bring a little bad luck to. <laughs> oh no! Well, actually, that was kind of the crazy thing because she was just like, "Man, do they ever win when I come to a game?" And I was just like, "This is the <laughs> this is the third game we've been to," and I was just like, "I haven't been to a game that they've lost right. yet." 
Well, you know, the weird thing is I've never, you're right. I'm the same way. I haven't been, every game I've been to, they've won. Yeah. It's a little, you know, you start, you you know, you start thinking about those little um, um, superstition and things like that where you go, you know, maybe I need to beat the game or, you know, maybe, you know, I'm the kind of guy, literally, Caleb, I'm the person, if they start losing, I'll shut the TV off and walk away and do go do something outside because and then they start winning that's how superstitious i am sometimes oh yeah that that's a conversation we definitely have to have sometime because i'm oh, yeah i'm not superstitious yeah it might so. be like uh you know that might be a good question to, to the fans to say hey what's your superstition to the fans what do you do if you feel like for michigan football if they're winning or losing is there certain things that you do that's kind of just bizarre that'd be kind of fun here yeah that that'd be a good bye week episode or maybe even after the regular season's done because yeah. i feel like we could spend a lot of time talking about that oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. So, but yeah so i was there i uh, got to see a lot of that uh, a lot of the game and uh some good stuff to take away some not good stuff to take away and uh we'll mm-hmm. we'll break things down as we get into the game talk here coming up Okay, well, before we actually jump into the breakdown of Michigan's win over Colorado, we do want to announce the winner of the Week 2 caption competition that we're having. Had the Week 1 already uh, after the Hawaii game, and so Week 2 was after the UCF game, and the picture was actually of uh, Coach Frost. And we had a great response to this and uh, some fun ones to go through, and we actually came up with the winner of... Curbmeister at MGO Kirby on Twitter. Uh, his caption was Sigh, down 37, four block kicks. I'm just saying we out hit them in the post game presser. It's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you can see that on Twitter, and we'll be uh, definitely posting it, sending him a congratulations tweet out there as well. And he'll be entered into the drawing that will take place at the end of the year between uh, all the week winners. So a winner for each week of the season, so there's going to be, uh, well, depending if we do it after the final game or not, there'll be some somewhere around you know a dozen or fourteen um, people that entered, and then we're going to have a name drawn, and they're going to win uh, some free stuff with that. So, thanks for playing, everybody. Uh, had some really good creative ones, yeah. and yeah. congratulations to Kermeister, you know, good guy on uh, Twitter. Yeah, we appreciate the uh, participation with that, and we uh, think that everyone will uh, also enjoy the next image that will be coming out. won't say exactly what it is. It will come out here probably, I'm going to guess Tuesday, but here early on in the week so that people can participate. And, again, that will be ending Friday. Yeah, but. this is a cool image, you know, Caleb sent to me, but I haven't asked him. I said, can I enter? I mean, <laughs> am I allowed to? <laughs> I want to enter. I well I you I wanna, you can, can you I win? No, you can't win. You can say what you want, I guess. I mean, you might be stealing somebody's idea, but yeah, True. you're not you're not going in the drawing. Um, that's no fun. I can't win my own st- stuff. <laughs> yeah. No. No, that that would kind of defeat the purpose. No, right. All right. So, before we get into the the uh, in-depth talk about the game. We're going to do the score rundown for the conference real quick. Number four, Michigan beat Colorado. 45-28 to 28 was the final score. Um, our game of the week, which was actually Ohio at Oklahoma. So number three versus number 14. Ohio took care of their business on the road. 45-24. to 24. Wow. That, that's, that, that just tells you how bad Oklahoma or way overrated they were. Huh? Wow. Yeah. Or, I mean... It's hard to say. I wouldn't really say, and I, I all admit, like I haven't been able to keep up with Ohio um, yeah. as much as maybe I've wanted to. But they're, I wouldn't say Ohio that good. But like I said, we'll have to break it down and we'll see. I mean, this the season will prove things out. So mm-hmm. number nine, Wisconsin hosting Georgia State, and you actually, Craig, had this for your lock of the week, and it kind of flopped a little. Because their spread was 34, which seemed like the easy one, but it was only a six-point win for Wisconsin. That's that, come on. No, I mean, I can't be the only one that put the lock, that to be in their lock of the week. I mean, for the weekend, that's ridiculous. I mean, 
where the real Wisconsin police show up. This is the same team that beat <laughs> LSU. Yeah. Are you kidding me? And it was a home game for him. And yeah. Georgia State was 0-2 going into this game. So that was a weird one. I don't know exactly what happened. I didn't see the highlights from that one. But uh, other scores going down then was uh, 12 Michigan State on the road at 18 Notre Dame. And Notre Dame uh, didn't what really a, do a whole lot. Did you, watch that, did you watch that game? I watched what I could, but it was very yeah. sporadic. So well, let's just say... First of all, you don't even really needed to watch that game. You could have watched the the beginning of the game, and then you can tell it was just chaos. Notre Dame, luck of the Irish, that totally wasn't even there. They had back-to-back-to-back mistakes, big ones, that, that hurt them throughout the whole game. And it was like they could not recover from that. It took all the wind out of their sail because they scored first, and then the momentum sh- shifted to Michigan State, and Michigan State just overtook them. So a good win by the Spartans. So. Yeah, yep. So that helped them in their climb in the AP poll, which we'll talk about later. But then the surprise kind of, I mean, I did predict that Iowa was going to be losing a minimum of two games this year, but number 13, Iowa, lost at home wow. against North Dakota State. Now, I don't know if I was, I'm right about this. Now, let's go back, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Did I say something about... I, Iowa playing them, this will be a really tough game for them because North Dakota State is actually a pretty good team. I know they're missing their their quarterback that went to the NFL. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I'm not sure. If it wasn't recorded in the last episode, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. So anyways, obviously it, it, the biggest stat of all during that game was the very uh, 44 yards rushing on uh, 20. That's just unbelievable by an Iowa team. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the final score of 23 to 21. Yeah. And then a good win for the conference when Nebraska took down 22 Oregon. That was 35 to 32. Yeah, that was a very very good win by uh the Huskers and you know, quarterback's doing really really well. He's got a lot of experience, so yeah, good win. Yeah, and then Rutgers won their game against New Mexico, 37-28. Penn State had their tight battle with Temple, final score of 34-27. My lock of the week was a total disaster because I thought I thought something could happen. But Western Michigan beat Illinois 34-10, uh, so I was completely wrong with that. UCF falls again to another Big Ten team as Maryland went on the road and beat them. 30 to 24 in overtime. Yeah. And wow. finally getting a win. <laughs> Northwestern, and actually I forgot to mention it in the game breakdown last week, but anyways, Northwestern beat Duke 24 to 13 to get their first win for the season. Yeah, that was a good win. Yeah, very, very good win. Get their momentum going and at least get their get their heads out of the sand and <laughs> got to get a win under your belt, so you know, it's that was a very good win for them. So those were the score breakdowns for the Big Ten. Mentioned about our game locks that we both flopped on. But then getting back to the uh, Michigan-Colorado game, final score 45-28. to 28. So they hit the over on that, which the over-under was uh, 55 and a half. Uh, They got the over, and then the spread, though, was 20 and a half. And, oh, man, I was... Yeah. Uh, we left before the game actually ended because we had to get home to get the kids from who was watching them and so i was listening to the radio and when they were going down the field i was really hoping they were going to score again because that would have helped me in my prediction (laughs) um so i had it that they were going to cover they did not you had it that they were not going to cover so you you got that one right and then we both went with the under though so we were wrong wrong with that so yeah we both were wrong with that there there are more predictions we'll get to with ours but yeah you know some good some great wins by the Big Ten, some shocking losses by the Big Ten. So, you know, it wasn't a very good – it was a good weekend for them and a bad weekend for them. So, okay. Yeah, well, well, we actually have to – before we get too far, you reminded me with what you just said. We have to talk about the best win and the worst loss then. Yeah, that's true. I've got, I've got a two set in my mind already. So uh, do you want to go ahead and take best win? 
Yeah. Well, my best win is definitely going to be Nebraska beating Oregon. That's a great win. Yeah, that was good for them. That actually got Nebraska to bump into the top 25. Actually, I think the top 20 yep. uh, with that win. And so uh, then it's going to be kind of easy to go with the worst loss with Iowa's home loss to <laughs> North Dakota because that was yep. a win. When you're the defending Big Ten West champions and everyone's kind of expecting you to go undefeated again and then you get beat by them at home, that's that doesn't look good. Yeah, and you gave up, um, I believe they gave up just way too many uh, rushing guards on that game. So you gave up uh, 225, uh, 255 rushing yards. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Against Iowa. That's, yeah, I know, a defense like that. So, you know, North Dakota State, you guys got something going on really good up there. So, you know, it's, it's a good program. Yeah, good. those guys up to something. Yeah, they are. To actually then talk and break down the game, Craig, I will go ahead and hand things off and let you get the conversation going on just general <laughs> breakdown of the game, your thoughts, and what you were able to uh, take away from the game Saturday. Well, let's kind of, well, I got to look back to what I said at the, uh, at the earlier podcast before the game started it was up tempo playing team, which you saw. Um, obviously they got a mobile quarterback and he didn't really run as much as we thought he would, but so he did not do that. And of course they did stack the box. So what happened, what I said is the very fact is they relied on their receivers being quicker. And I think they knew that by the way, than our corners and our safety. And obviously they proved that they were against, uh, Delano Hill and, and um, even uh, Peppers, so, and they outran them and for some big plays. And my thing was also, I think I even said, is as Michigan has a hard time defending big plays, you know, and big, um, when big plays happen, I'm talking about big scores, you know, with, you know, home run hits. Basically, Colorado's not a team that's going to beat you, I call it, um, you know, with base hits, they're going to move the ball down and then score. They they hit us pretty hard with obviously that uh, throw catch, and then obviously that what is it uh, a sack on Spate? They did great defensively, and the very fact is um, our defense had a tough time. Our secondary looked really really bad, and they saw that in the beginning. But then we got collectively we got together, did really well, and I'll tell you what, our special teams bailed us out. And we had some big plays ourselves, so that got us in the game. And, um, yeah, and that's what I saw, just kind of overall view. And I'm sure you and I will break that down. But uh, you were there at the game. You saw a lot more things that I did than the TV. Um, you probably saw a lot more openness, <laughs> I guess you could say, on some of these plays and what Michigan was doing wrong and right. Um, but uh, I think a lot of things I said in the last podcast kind of came to fruition. So. The excitement was sucked out of that stadium pretty quickly when uh, Colorado scored so fast, uh, which, I mean, we knew going in that they could do, but just the fact that they were able to do it against Michigan in the big house was surprising. Uh, but then they got the defensive score, too, so they were up 14-0 really quickly. Yeah, It was tough. I mean, uh, you know, nobody kind of expected that. But honestly... Just kind of before diving into the details, I will say I'm more impressed this week than I was last week. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that was like my breakdown of the game last week against UCF on where I was just like, I was just not impressed. That's that's kind of what I said. But this week, there were some things to be impressed by, and uh, I think it was good for them. It, it was good for the team to be down. And for them to face adversity and have to fight back. I know that was just Colorado. Saying that, though, is that Colorado is better than we expected. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if you're down 21-7 to to, you know, a top 20 team, it's going to be different than how it went down Saturday. I mean, it'll probably be a lot more uh, difficult to come back from something like that. But... They needed that. They they've had they've had it kind of easy so far. I mean, I know UCF was a, a struggle and a battle for a majority of the game, but it's just 
good to see them be down and fight back and the fact that Spate was able to fight through it. Yeah, there were there were definitely some things that you could see in the game. I mean, after things got rolling, and especially just that first quarter. That first quarter was so bad all over the place. Not saying that no mistakes happened outside of that, but that mm. first quarter, nothing was really, other than special teams, it seemed like nothing was going right for me. Yeah, that's what I said. You know, I know you were texting me saying, you know, that middle of the field, they were killing us. Like you said, the whole middle of the field was open because they said, you know what, okay, this is what you're going to do. We can't throw down the field because of their corners. So what we're going to do is you, you're leaving the middle of the field open, so we're going to just throw to our uh, slot guys in, in our middle of the, in our third to fourth receivers. So And you saw that all game. And then when they, you know, when we try to cover that up, they'd go to the air to the the faster guys on the either end of the field. So when you saw that, I went, oh, my gosh, you know, this is just way open. Then you would you would text me and say, that whole middle of that field's wide open. And I'd go, yeah, <laughs> this is crazy. And you being there, you're probably it's probably even larger than what we're seeing. Yeah, it was it was frustrating and uh it was it was difficult to watch at times because they they were yeah just like you said they were exposing it and beating us with that and i i honestly thought that they were going to go with the rushing game more but michigan was able to shut down their rushing game pretty well i mean their yeah uh total yards for rushing was only 64 yeah um but yeah lou Fow, their quarterback i mean got to hand it to him he was um he was pretty on target and uh, did no a pretty joke, good job. Man. He's no joke. That guy's got a good arm. He's a good football player. Yeah, yeah I thought that Michigan was going to be able to pressure him more where he wasn't going to be able to have time to make those passes. But they, I mean, so they, and it seemed like every time they had a safety dump off player, like right. if something happens, throw it to this player because he'll be open or the route that he's going, you can at least throw it to him. and. Mm-hmm. And if he had time, there it was, the middle of the field. It just seemed like over and over again. It was just like, if you don't have time, throw it here. If you do have time, just wait because the middle of the field is going to be wide open. And they were tearing us up with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lufau wound up going uh, 16 for 25. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, for a total of 246 yards. And he only played a little bit into the third quarter. Yeah, yeah, until he got hurt. So Yeah, yeah it, until mean, he got hurt. So, But you're right, that first quarter, it was... Uh... Colorado had 195 yards, and we had 66. That just tells you in the first quarter. That tells you what that's all about. And I'm not even talking about – I'm talking about the big playability, like you said, the turnover on the on the fumble, and that's one play. And then uh, obviously a beautiful touch pass by Lufau in the corner to for the touchdown. That was a great pass. I mean, just spot on, great accuracy to uh their to the left side of the field and wow they did a really really good job there so yeah yeah that, for sure that i mean it was a nightmare i mean it really was it didn't it, you know what i don't know it, it, you were there so you saw obviously better than i because the obviously the camera's moving i can only see what i from what the camera's doing but didn't you did you see like it felt like that the michigan defense was seemed to be not ready or they were just kind of like wandering into this game like not really prepared or they just were it looked like they just kind of like eh you know we got this (laughs) i don't know if they were ready for the tempo and the exposed middle of the field so i mean like we we knew going in colorado was a tempo team and they could score really fast and they were and they uh, they took it to Michigan right away. So, yeah. Um, but one thing that people are going to look at, and I mean, it's definitely something worth mentioning and everything. But people are going to say, "Well, Colorado fell fell apart after their starting quarterback went out." Yes, that is definitely valid. I mean, any anytime you play a team, that that always kind of sucks when it happens because you know that's going to probably cost them. But something else that I kind of noticed that happened in the second half. I mean, the, uh, Lou Fowl was only in for. Gosh, I don't even know what one drive, I think, in the second half. Right. Uh, because that's when they scored the touchdown, and then mm-hmm. that was it for their offense productivity, basically, in the second half. But, I mean, I started noticing in the second half that our line was just 
eating up their our defensive line was eating up yeah. their offensive line. Like okay. their Peppers was breaking through, nobody was touching him. Uh Gary who had a great game uh was getting oh, pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. yeah. And and so things like that, those kind of things were going to happen no matter if it was Lou Fow at quarterback or if it was their backup quarterback which was uh I think Steven Montez. You know, it, whoever the quarterback was going to be was going to be getting that pressure. Uh, now, granted, Lufau maybe would have been able to do more with it uh, than Montez was, but Michigan was playing different a different ball game in the second half. I still think they would have won if Lufau was in there. Maybe it wouldn't have been as big of a margin of victory, uh, quite possible, but mm-hmm. I just kind of want to put that out there on that whole kind of yeah. argument of... Yeah, and he got hurt. Yeah. Well, yeah. the thing is, is and if you actually look at Lufau's pass when he got hurt, I mean, which was an incredible pass. I mean, what I think what happened was once he found out that, you know, the whole, everybody saw it, everybody thought, well, they're going to take him out, probably call a timeout, right? He goes up to to snap it, but they did, and they left him in there. Um, what I think is the whole secondary moved up, and that's what happened, and that's why he, he bombed it, and like I said, speedy receiver, and one of our corners got burned again. And he wasn't ready, and it was he was off to the races. So it's a great pass, and, and shame on us because you know, regardless if the guy's hurt or not, he still he left he let that throw out there, and he burned us. So, but one of the things I th- think is the is Michigan punching back, and that's the thing I you know I I think I put on Twitter is if this was a Hoke team, we would have lost this game. This yeah, is a yeah. game. Where this is the type of game that two years or three years ago, if Hoke, we, these are the games that we barely either win at the end or we lose, uh, according to the way he coached. And Michigan punched back, and we did really, really well. Um, so, that, you know, the Colorado only had like 130 yards after that. So that's well played, good adjustment. That's the whole thing is if your coaching can adjust to what they're doing and come back and, uh, you know, eliminate the big plays and Michigan did that but you can see the leadership from the players in that game is nobody was really doing anything correct but there was only one guy that was doing anything and playing his heart out and that was Peppers and then when Gary came in he was playing and then he had a you know a a sack and a half but he was pressuring the quarterback and that guy was full of energy you know and you could see it in them and i'm like and i think that really inspired the defense to really get in there and say hey look we got a guy who's just starting for michigan he's fired up and they need to feed off that oh yeah yeah for sure well um it it says one thing and like i kind of said my wife isn't really the biggest in the sports um but says something when my wife can identify who the best player on Michigan's team <laughs> yeah. is because yeah. she she even says she's just like wow he's he's like the best player on the field and I was just like that's good observation because he definitely is yeah yeah he had some great I mean powerful hits I mean statement hits I call them you know my uh, phone was blown up just by as far as like texting and Twitter is you should see the Twitter on the first quarter and one of the things I heard the most during that and I know you can you weren't able to see it was the toll piss poor tackling. Yeah. The bad tackling was just all over the place. I mean I saw guys just I think they went through four or five tackles. They were arm tackling. They weren't even I went, oh there's one. At home I'm going missed, 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 touchdown, missed, missed, missed big drive and I don't, you could see it too obviously yeah it it was bad uh you know well being at the game and i find it so dumb but there were there were people booing in the first quarter yeah yeah we heard them on tv by the way <laughs> and there were people saying that they wanted to see O'Corn in the game yep heard and that. i'm just like and well actually honestly i mean i don't know if you noticed this and took note of it but O'Corn and morris were both in the game within like what the first two drives or something like that yeah well i saw morris in there obviously at quarterback but then using him as the blocker for peppers yeah that was crazy because i'm sitting there taking pictures and then all of a sudden i I was i was able to obviously zoom closer with my camera and i was just like wait a minute that's not that's not spade in there 
Um, but anyways, it's just so, so dumb because to hear those things, because one, it was the first quarter. Okay. And I know it got to the point of 21 to seven, but it's the first quarter. And yes, I was, I, I felt, I don't know if I would say deficit. I I felt frustrated by it, but it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's the first quarter. And another thing though, too, is, you know, talking about putting out corn there instead of spate. I know Craig, you and I last year thought that spate should get in. Uh, for a game, I can't remember exactly when it was. It was uh, to start a game because yep. Rudock played Utah. Then there was one or two games after that, and you and I were both thinking maybe they should put Spade in because. And the main reason was uh, Rudock was still turning the ball over and he wasn't able to throw it very long. Right. Yeah. And so there was a logical reasoning behind that. Basically, he was kind of like a turnover machine, and he wasn't able to do very long throws. With this one, Spate, yes, he fumbled and lost the ball. I mean, with a hit that hard, you're not too surprised about that. His right. throws were off, yes, but he wasn't turning the ball over. Right, exactly. Well, that's so, the thing. Yeah, I heard. Sorry, Kip, but I heard. Well, I heard the same thing. Obviously, on Twitter, they were saying, hey, get a corn in there. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's only the first quarter, but I think – what was like you said that's a great point you made you know and i don't think i even thought about that is uh he didn't turn it over like uh, you know obviously like devin gardner he'd throw he'd try to make a play and then throw an interception or try to run it and lose yards and things like that he he did what he needed to do i I think one of the things that we need to really pump the brakes with spate with is he was throwing in the coverage okay which i did not like you know and the guys were manning man to man well, our, our our receivers were covered. Okay, you can make people were saying, "Man, he's just overthrowing. He's he has no accuracy." I'm going, "What are you talking about? These guys are covered. They're covered really well." My issue is, Bate was only eyeing three guys, and that's uh, Darbo, Chesson, and uh, Jake Butt. I'm like, where are the other two two receivers? You know, where's the Perry? Where's McDoom? Where's those guys? The guys that you can actually do a dump pass to in the middle of the field um, to get five to six yards, or you know, so you can help them out of that. But when you're only eyeing three guys and two of them are already covered, that's why you saw Butt get a kind of a lot of receiving yards. But those are the things I'm talking about that Spade needs to work on is finding the other guys. When those two guys are covered, you can't always rely on them. And I think Spate needs to work that out. And I think Jim Harbaugh will help him out more. But uh, he, he didn't do that bad. He had, well, his percentage was, what, what 34%? You know, I mean, I think it's not very good. But um, like you said, didn't do a lot of turnovers except that fumble. So. Yeah. Well, he was 16 for 30. Yeah. Um, yeah. So – uh, yeah. 229 yards passing, uh, okay. one touchdown pass, but yeah, it was um, it was frustrating to watch. But you know, first quarter, first quarter, you, you gotta let it play out. I mean, that was the thing yeah. too. It wasn't like he was, yes, he fumbled and turned it over, but his passes, he wasn't throwing interceptions. But uh, you were talking about the different types of passes and everything, and we saw um, mm-hmm. we, we did. saw Wait. really great success in the uh, the screen pass. Yeah, later on we saw Perry that really big yardage gained by Perry when he threw it to him. That was great. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Those big yardage that Perry had. That was awesome. Yeah, and it was just kind of like, man, why why haven't we been trying that more? And then they only did it like once, maybe twice or something, which was kind of surprising with how much uh, Colorado would blitz. I would think that they would have been able to capitalize on that. But the other thing that we saw a lot of success from, and that's why we saw more rushing yards this week than last week, was the outside running. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. That is the way that you beat putting, you know, six or more players in the box defensively. You beat that by running outside and running fast. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we saw that work. We saw that work with Davion Smith and Chesson did it. And then there was the little outside pass to uh, Darbo, a little mm-hmm. dump pass. I know it wasn't a, a run play, but a little dump pass out there. And he was able to make some yep. moves and he was break in. You know, go to the outside, and that's what they did, and they were able to uh, yep, get away from Colorado. Yep, they had a lot of success. Like you said, that Darbo uh, run was really good. He made a lot of guys miss, and, of course, they made mistakes there, there too. They missed some tackles, but uh, 
that was a good play. And like you said, the Devion Smith run was really good. Which was great. What was great about that run was the very fact is none of the our offensive line gave up on the blocking, as they blocked all the way down for him, and that was good to see. They didn't do that very well at the UCF game, so. Yeah, so that that was good to see and uh, good to watch. But it really was kind of like the tale of one quarter compared to three quarters. Because like I said, that first quarter was completely awful. And actually, even you could say it was a tale of two halves. Because uh, if you take away that touchdown drive by Colorado in the second half, uh, there in the beginning of third quarter, it was only around like 30 yards then that they put up outside of that. For the entire second half. I mean, that that's a huge difference there between the first half to the second half. I mean, yes, like we said, granted, their starting quarterback was out. But Michigan just played shutdown defense. Peppers and Gary were on their game. Yeah, and, crazy. they were crazy. It was, it was amazing to watch. Yeah, and you were able to see the adjustments made because there was more outside running, more outside plays and that's like you you were saying some of the things that you wouldn't see with Brady Hoke. That was definitely something you wouldn't see where there were those adjustments that specifically attacked the opposing team's weaknesses, and we were able to capitalize from that. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. And I'm, and you know, I we were able to win despite Spate having a not a very good game, which is pretty cool. What if he has a decent game? Then we're you know. So I think. <clears throat> Spate, this is going to be a grow, a grow up uh, uh, game for him. It's going to make him mature and how he's going to be able to play. He, you know, even him himself said, "Hey, look, I didn't play very well, but my other players and people like Peppers and Gary and the defense did, and so we did enough to win." But you know, Spate, there were times, and you were there, that you'd be able to see whether Spate was hurt. I don't know if he was shaking his arm, but you know, there was a lot of. Uh, talk about whether he was you know maybe his arm obviously his arm his shoulder was iced after the game so there might be some concern there but um you might even talk about kenny allen and his field goals i mean he missed two of them easy and so i'm wondering if he was hurt too that you know and i'm wondering if he's got some injury problems or what's going on on that side too yeah, or he might just uh, might have just been off, which hopefully that won't be a case moving forward because that could become crucial at some point. So, well, they you know if you if you count the the field goals, Michigan would have would have covered the spread on that. By the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I was thinking about that too. So, so, but yeah, definitely you know Spate is the only concern I have with him is, you know, getting some of the other receivers. If you got the two Darbo and Chesson being covered, um, then you're going to have to open things up to, for the other receivers. So, and you know, we'll see how that goes. I want to run through some of the numbers here, uh, but before mm-hmm. I get into that, Craig, we want to do stat of the game. Do you want to share like a highlight stat or the highlight stat from Saturday? First of all, let's you know talk about all the naysayers and the rivals and the people out there, you know. And I'm going to bring up social media uh, who have tweeted at Jabril Peppers. They actually tweeted at him saying he's overrated, guy can't play, and they use stats against him. So I'm going to throw a little bit of stats back at them and say the guy had nine tackles, big. I mean, two, two to three monstrous tackles like gut-wrenching big time hits a sack a hurry three and a half tackles for a loss 208 all-purpose yards and of course the punt return for a touchdown finally so yeah highlight Shabio preppers finally got punt return and i wasn't in the stadium to see it well, one of the things you've got to look at is the the rivals and the people that are saying he's overrated. Is they're looking at the score, you know, whether he scores or not on a kick return and a punt return. It's almost a guarantee when he gets a punt return or a kick return, the guy's going to go almost to like the forty five yard line, like say in a kick return, <laughs> yeah. almost every time. So that tells you he always kind of puts us in good field position every time on a punt return or a field or a kickoff. So that tells you he makes a big difference to this Michigan football team 
And yeah, he might not be running every one of them in, but man, he did that day and he was the man on that field all day and no one can dispute it. And like Jim Harbaugh said, if without Jabril Peppers, we wouldn't have won that game. Yeah, no, that was, he had a huge role for sure. And uh, I'll go ahead and share some of the other numbers from that day. I mean, we talked about the good day also uh, for Rashawn Gary. Yeah. Uh, He had two solo tackles, two assists. And uh, then he had uh, one and a half tackles for loss. And uh, mentioning just something with Peppers, and I can't remember if you said this specific stat or not, but he had uh, one sack, and he took him down for 11 yards. Lost 11 yeah. yards on that play. Um, but then also going to mention some of the highlights from the offense. Top receiver was Jake Butt. He had seven receptions for 87 yards. The one receiving touchdown was Amar Darbo. He only mm-hmm. had two receptions, and his touchdown um, reception was that uh, 45-yard yeah. reception. And then uh, Spate, as we had said, 16 for 30, put up 229 yards. Davion Smith, we both predicted this, was going to be the uh, leading rusher, and he had a total of 87 yards on 11 carries. And actually... Um, we had our predictions also. Uh, we had what our uh, f- famous segment, I guess you would call it now, is uh, the lock it or dump it. Still, still <laughs> yeah. haven't decided if we're going to be keeping that name or not, but you seem yeah. to enjoy it. Uh, but we had a couple things to say about the game. Michigan having more rushing uh, yards against Colorado than they did UCF. I locked that in. You dumped it. And yep. they actually did because they had... That's close, man. I'm telling you, it was... It didn't look. It looked in my favor, but then at the end, of the fourth quarter, when they had it in, I said, "Oh, they're just going to keep running it." And I knew, oh, you know, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, they had um, 168 this week, and last week was something like uh, 116, 119. Yeah, uh, right around there. I uh, hit that one, and then question is was if Chris Evans will have the most rushing yards for Michigan. We both dumped that, both predicting that Davion Smith, like we said, was going to have the most rushes, and that was correct. And then Michigan having more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns. I locked it, you dumped it, and Michigan had three rushing touchdowns to one passing touchdown. But also they had a punt return touchdown and a punt block Touchdown. Touchdown. Yeah. Perry. Well, Perry had a great game. So, yeah, yeah. Special teams did great again. So, really coming through. And, you know, it was good to see him. Jake Bud had a good game, too. You know, bails out a lot. Um, but, um, yeah. How about that? A lot of the spate, you know, obviously the touchdown was more of like a swing pass or whatever. And then the rest was um, Darbo, you know, doing a lot of good footwork and good blocking, and then he made that happen, so that was good to see. Yeah, for sure. Like I was saying, it was it was good. For, this was a good game for them. I mean, yeah. performance-wise, not saying performance-wise, really, I mean, unless you want to just go to the second half, but they, I really think they needed it. They, yeah. It was another little bit of a wake-up call. Last week was a little bit of a wake-up call, um, you know, just how to take face an opponent if they try to attack them like they did last week and they did a decent job handling it this week but needing to come from behind yeah i'd, I'd rather that they see it now and learn how to deal with it than to have the first time that they have to win from behind you know i i don't know when to tell you exactly but just later on down the road against a more difficult opponent so yeah what do you what do you say to the people but there are obviously a lot of people have talked about this kind of game exposed us on some of the weaknesses that we need to hash out. And they're worried. There's a lot of people worried that, you know, we're not going to win. If we play like this, we're not going to win against Michigan state or Ohio State and teams like that. I mean, what do you say to them? Uh, Ohio state is a worry. I'll say yeah. that Michigan state, not so much. I mean, I know, I, I mean like it, it's going to be a big game. It's going to be a rivalry game. It's going to be on the road, not, not downplaying saying Michigan state sucks or anything. Um, Cause they're a legitimate team, but I don't think Notre Dame was as good as everybody was thinking. Yeah. Um, so, but then also some, some things got better from the UCF game to the Colorado game. 
and there are some specific things that they're going to be working on. And I yeah. still don't feel like our offense has done everything that you're going to see in a game. Yeah. You know, there there are going to be specific game plans that they're going to take on. But one one problem and, you know, to kind of focus on a problem that actually went from week, week two to week three, Thomas has gone burned a couple of times. And not every time has hey, it Demont- really... Yeah, DeMonte Thomas. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, DeMonte Thomas. And not always has it been his solo yeah. responsibility. Uh, last week more so, I think, than this week. Because last week he had the opportunity to cut off I can't remember if it was running play or uh, receiving play, but the, the ball carrier was on the sideline. He had the path to cut them off, and he he whiffed it. That yep. that was that yeah. was solo. I mean, somebody else, that play shouldn't have broken down that way, anyways. But this week also, he got burned on a long play as well. I can't remember yeah. if it was a touchdown one or not, but he got burned on a long play again. He's a, he's had two back to back big plays burned on that guy. So yeah. I think part of that that case in this past game is part of with the defensive scheme. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a lot that Don Brown is throwing out there, and people sometimes get put on an island. But breakdown of it, you know, being you know understanding if there was going to be help or not, and so it it's a problem. And I think, um, and I'm hoping that they will obviously identify it and work on it. But to Two big plays, two weeks in a row, centered around the same player. Yeah, that that's something that's concerning for me. Yeah, Demonte Thomas is obviously, like you just said, back to back big plays that led the scores on his watch. So, but um, you know, Delano Hill did too, and Peppers had all had busted coverages that led yeah. to big plays. So it's not you know one of the best players in the country, also you know had a busted play but my thing is is this is that kind of leads me to what's going on is you know look demonte thomas play is concerning like you said it is to me and delano hill maybe a little bit i'm not worried about dribbling he's doing great what i'm worried about you know the very fact is i think harbaugh is taking it easy because i know uh lewis was in full pads you know when i saw he was in full pads i thought maybe he'd play I think Mich- I think Jim Harbaugh is like kind of saying, you know what? I, I need that that guy fresh a hundred percent when we play the big dogs, or yeah. or when we go to conference, we start yeah. playing our conference, and that's what I think. You know, we didn't even have Taco in there, so we got Taco Charlton out. We don't have Mona in there either, so we got some pretty big players that are big on our defense that are out. So that doesn't worry me as much because that gives me a little bit of um not as big as a question mark as before but yeah you know demonte thomas they're gonna have to work on him i mean he's he you know not playing to up his ability so we'll see yeah we'll we'll see how that goes and um yeah and not saying like and you brought it up perfectly you know thomas was not the only one who yeah. um had busted coverage and everything but that was something you saw between the two weeks yeah so um but then before we uh transition out here to uh close things out the ap poll has been out uh michigan has not moved uh ohio State bumped up to the number two spot michigan state uh makes this its way in the top 10 making the uh number eight spot Wisconsin falls out with its uh, close win Jeez. against Georgia State. They're now at 11, but then Iowa falls out of the top 25, but the newcomer from the Big Ten actually into the top 20 is Nebraska at the 20 spot. Yep. So that's your new AP poll. Personally, I'm not, and we didn't talk about it before, which I think we maybe should have, and hopefully we won't take too much time here talking about but real quick, Michigan being in the top four, honestly, I feel like Michigan isn't a top four team. I mean, I would, I mean, since you're talking top four team would be playoff team, and not saying that they won't be playoff a uh, playoff caliber team. I just feel like mm-hmm. they fit more in a five or six spot. Yeah, kind of like we said in the beginning of the year, the what six to seven spot, you know, yeah, around that area. But yeah, I agree with you there. Um, some people, you know, were saying that 
you know, they thought that we would drop because of the way we played. And I said, no, I think we'll hold serve. But, um, you know, Ohio deserved to be in, in, you know, I said Ohio going to get beat bad in Oklahoma. And who knew that Oklahoma, to me, is probably the most overrated team that was polled at number three <laughs> that I've seen. They've lost back-to-back games. And, um, boy, in Ohio it's really, really playing well for a team that's lost a lot of players. And yeah. So yeah, there you go. So, yeah. you know, I think the team is most impressive. And this kind of takes away from the big 10 is the very fact is, wow. You know, I, I even watched that Louisville game and man, Louisville is looking just sick. Good. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, that, that quarterback for Louisville looked great. So. Yeah, well, then people are questioning how good Florida State actually was, too, because they may have been very overrated as well. Right. But, yeah, I just part, part of the reason, too, why I think Michigan fits more in a five and a six spot and why I would kind of prefer that is just that when you get into the top four and when you fall out, mm-hmm. it makes it very difficult to get your way back in there. Yeah. And I know that this isn't the playoff ranking, but you know that when we get to the playoff rankings, that's going to be quite similar to the AP poll it often is. So it's just. Well, it, you're, it, yeah, you're seeing that the teams that who who are barely winning against teams they should beat badly means a lot. I yeah, mean, it really matters. You got with you know Wisconsin who barely beat Georgia State. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and that hurt them. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, Clemson hasn't shown a whole lot. Honestly, I think Stanford's done pretty well. Houston is kind of tough to tell, especially, too, with how we're wondering how good Oklahoma actually is. Yeah. Um, but then uh, they have Washington and Texas A&M up there and everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be we're going to have to see how it plays out and everything. So, But Michigan's still holding at the number four spot, and we'll uh, see that, and uh, things will be coming up as we get um, – the preview for the Michigan Penn State game later this week. So, but uh, we'll go ahead. Uh, that that wraps up the game talk, and we'll uh, close things out here after this break. All right. Well, it looks like things are kind of heading into a longer bit of an episode, but I do want to make sure to mention this because. Um, I don't know if we'll get around to it next time, but something interesting that was brought up um, from somebody on Twitter is the potential of College Game Day coming to Ann Arbor. And the way that that would pan out is, and I'll give credit here to um, who brought it up. It was actually on Twitter, and it was at parkjack 211 and uh, he was saying if both Michigan and Wisconsin win next week, possible college game day implications are in order uh, with question mark. And I would definitely have to agree because Wisconsin's going on the road to play Michigan State this week. Michigan State's the number eight team. Yeah. And I know it doesn't mean a whole lot with Michigan hosting Penn State, but, you know, if Michigan wins again, unless it's a very close win or a sloppy win, Michigan's going to hold that four. Uh, Michigan would be in the top five. I don't see how Michigan winning, even if it's an ugly win, would drop them out of the top five. So then, like I said, if Wisconsin beats Michigan State, that's going to put them in the top ten easily. So you're looking at a top ten matchup for between Michigan and Wisconsin then the following week, which would be ideal for college game day. I mean, uh, Craig, your thoughts on that? Yeah. No, I I agree with that, and that would kind of lead me to think that, uh, boy, you know, I was didn't I say Wisconsin would be <laughs> like the team, but you know, I don't know. But after that, Georgia State barely win. That I'm a little worried about that now. But uh, but yeah, that would be, you know, that would be pretty interesting. And I, I would say I would have to agree that um, to set those two up, that they're, we're talking two top ten teams together. Um, would be a, a a big crowd, and they that's what they want. They actually want big crowds and uh, the best games at that weekend. So, yeah. So yeah, and I can't remember last time that Michigan Wisconsin 
yeah. was a, would have been considered a big game because I mean it's always yeah. Michigan, Michigan State, or Michigan, Ohio State is a big deal. But the last time that Michigan, Wisconsin was a big game, my memory may be failing me, but I can't remember the last time that that was a big considered a big matchup. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, so uh, I, if that if that is what happens, and honestly, I'm hoping and thinking that Wisconsin got a little bit of a wake up call with Georgia State, where it's just like yeah. we we cannot take things for granted. We have to play our A game. Uh, it, maybe people were thinking of it as uh, maybe even a trap game because they are looking ahead at playing their first Big Ten yep. game at Michigan State. Yeah, not here to make excuses for them, but. I definitely think that Wisconsin's better than what they were Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I think they have what it takes to beat Michigan State. Not saying that they're going to, but that's actually, I'm pretty sure, our game of the week is the Wisconsin-Michigan State game. But yeah, that was something interesting to bring up and discuss because that could lead to game day being in an hour, hour the following yeah. week. So, Boy, and that one, that'd be fun uh, to go to. Yeah, gosh. to be there. I know. I don't know. It'd be it'd be rough, but not, I don't know. This <laughs> I know. I, might, this might not get that easy drive in, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just so rough because of all this nut stuff with all the. Yeah, this is busy time for me at work, and so of course yeah. it's during the football season. But okay, so uh, well, we thank you guys for tuning in. A lot of great stuff talked about. I mean. Um, good bad and ugly takeaway from the michigan colorado game but michigan did wind up getting the win in the end but if you want to learn more with the blue brothers i mean we've got the website bluebrothersportscast.com uh facebook group for the blue network which we're a part of the blue network everything michigan football you can find that on facebook we're on twitter uh, at Blue Bros underscore in our names. Uh, we're on there a lot. We're talking a lot. A lot of conversation going on in the Facebook group, too. We do have our voicemail, which uh, not a lot of people use, but honestly, something that I'm kind of interested in because, I mean, that's, it's in our title, you know, Real Talk, Real Fans. We want to hear from the fans. We did the recording at the game, the first game that we went to because we were able to take the equipment to and we were able to get fan feedback. But I'm thinking maybe... And I'm going to say it now, so if you're listening, if you want to, call Monday or Tuesday, because we're probably going to be recording Tuesday night for our preview episode. It might be Wednesday, but call. If you want to call, call Monday or Tuesday, leave a voicemail, and give your predictions for the Michigan-Penn State game, and we will include them. If enough people call, and, and keep it kind of short, voicemails like a minute or shorter, if we get enough phone calls, we'll make its own little like fan clip. Um, but if not, we'll include them when we get to our prediction part in the uh, preview episode. I think that'd be something kind of cool to do. Yeah, it would. And yeah, like you said, uh, get involved with all. We got quite a bit of things, uh, social media that you can get involved and hear more about Michigan football and our take and let us know what you think about the game and what your concerns are. There's a lot of people out there right now, a lot of fans that are, really concerned about this game and what we did and you know and i'm like you know what this is you know what caleb said perfectly is you know this is a game that we need and jake butt said it. this is a game we needed you need a game that we can know that we can come back and win at and we're not going to beat every team by 50 points every team, every college football team so far this year has had some scares even bama did so uh, against old miss so you know take it to heart um you know, those are the things, um, you, just, you know, don't worry. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to get those things hashed out and Don Brown's going to get that uh, secondary work done. Got new, we got our players coming back or our best players coming back soon. So we'll be ready for Penn state. Don't worry. So, and, oh, and congratulations to Jabril preppers for win, winning the Walter camp award this week. So, Oh yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. Definitely yeah. want to mention well, that. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, also, too, about fan feedback is just, like, that's part of the show. We want to be able to give a voice to the fans and get interaction with the fans. It's always fun. We had that great time that first week, so voicemails is a great way to get your voice on the show. But also, I mean, you know, it's me and Craig breaking things down. Uh, we're we're not at the point where it's something like this is our job where we're breaking down film and being able to watch the game again and again and again to break everything down. So there's going to be something that somebody else is going to probably see or maybe point out or question that would be great to 
put into discussion. So that's, I mean, yeah. uh, just keep it going, keep conversation going. And, you know, the, the Michigan fan base loves their football and they love to talk about it. So feel free to give a call and leave a voicemail and we'll be discussing things like that. So uh, we thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, mm-hmm. We always appreciate it. And we hope that you all had a good weekend and that you're all going to have a great week. And we'll finish things off with Go Blue. Go Blue.